got a special guest with us this morning. His name is Jan van Jaars Elf. And he's going to come and give a children's story. Just while he prepares, I just want to ask, what did you get for Christmas? Come and sit over here, guys. There's a couple of seats here. Otherwise, we'll just sit on the floor. Okay. Who got presents this morning? What did you get? What did you get for Christmas? A what? A toy. Okay, that's a good. <laughs> what did you get? You got quite a lot of stuff, eh? And lots more. Okay. What did What did you get? Uh, okay, we understand what that is. <laughs> what did you get? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the kids. Anybody get any special gifts this morning out there? The adults? Motor cars? New houses? A t-shirt? <laughs> Underwear socks. <laughs> so, we're going we're to welcome Jan van Jaas Elf now. Jan, are you somewhere at the back there? There we go. Is this the right place? Is this where... Hey, they're all the little kitties. Hey, guys. How's everyone today? Doing good? Doing bad? Good about you? So my name is Bobby van Yarsalf. What? And I have traveled far and wide to come see you this morning. All right. So, do you guys know what today is? Christmas! Yeah! So cool. Man, I love Christmas. You know, with all, with all the, the food and uh, spending time with the family and the presents. Oh, I love presents, y'all. It makes me so happy, presents, y'all. Oh, man, I love presents. But now that I think of it, you know that, that Christmas isn't just about those things, right? That, that, that there's something else about Christmas as well. But I remember someone telling me that story about it, but honestly, I can't think of what it was now. Yeah? What? Really? That's super cool. Well done. Everyone give it a hand. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, that, that reminds me of an amazing story. But the thing is, it's quite difficult for me. I, I have a very bad memory. Now, I have to try and remember how this story goes. But may, maybe there's something. You see, I brought a bag with me this morning. Maybe there's something in my bag which will be able to help us with telling the story. Right? You guys want to see what's inside my bag? You guys want to see what's inside my bag? Yeah. Sorry, what? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Oh, don't cry, little one. All right. Let's see what we have here. A crown? But how's that relevant to the story of Jesus? I'm not too sure. Let's, let's put it to the side for now. How about... What is this? 
A kitty? A kitty? Well, how's that relevant to the story of Jesus? Let's see what else we have. Ooh, this one's quite heavy. Let's just leave that. Let's see, what, what else do we have in the bag? What is this? A sheep? Well, how's a sheep relevant to the story of Jesus? Oh, man, I, I have a bunch of weird stuff in my bag here. What, what, about, what about this one? A donkey? Well, what's a donkey got to do with the story of Jesus? Oh, my word. I don't know what's in this bag here. baby? Well, what's a baby got to do with the story of Jesus? Isn't Jesus the savior of the world? What what has a baby got to do with it? Yeah, it's a baby. Sure. I don't know. Hey, let's see. Wait, what is this? Who knows what this is? A, a Bible. Yes, exactly. Oh, that reminds me. Did you guys know that the story of Jesus actually written in this book in the bible that reminds me i remember now i remember what the story is about okay and now i look at it all this stuff is relevant to the story of jesus you want me to explain to you how all of this stuff is relevant to the story of jesus sorry sorry okay well let's go now you see a very, 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 and maybe a few more berries. A long time ago, there was a, there was a prophecy or a, a telling that one day there would be a future king that would be born. With the crown, right? But now you see, <laughs> now you see, this king wasn't going to be like any other king. He was going to be better than all the previous kings. Better than kings like King David and them. You know the one that killed Goliath with the... With the yeah? Yeah. He was going to be better than all those other kings. He was going to be the king of kings. But now you see, the thing is, now what happened was, the reason this king was coming wasn't just to rule over the land. But you see, he was there to save the lost sheep. You guys know what that means? You guys know what that means? What does it mean? You? You all give her a hand, everybody. Yes. You see, Jesus actually, the reason he came was to save us from the things that weighed us down. You see, all the things like our sin, all our wrongdoings, he came to save us from those things. That's why he came. But you see, he didn't come as an ordinary man. He didn't just poof. As an ordinary man, he came as a baby. How does that work? How did how did the King of all Kings come as a baby? <laughs> You've answered a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> now you see what happened was there was a man and a woman named Joseph and Mary, and what happened was they were to be married. Like they were going to get married. Like whole wedding ceremony, bells ringing. Like. All the whole joy. Yay! But you see, what happened was, the Holy Spirit touched Mary. 
and gave her with child. So that means, well, basically, Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus. Isn't that cool? And what happened was, now, in those days, what happened was there used to be censuses, which was like surveys of all the people and all that, all grown-up stuff, so it's not really important. But what happened was, Mary and Joseph had to go to Jerusalem. So what the two of them did was they took their donkey, all the way to Jerusalem, while Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus. Can you believe that? Sorry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what happened was when they got to Jerusalem, there was no place for them to stay. All the hotels, all the stop-ins were all full up. And there was no place for them to stay. So what happened was Mary and Joseph had to stay in a barn full of animals like sheep, donkeys, and cows, and pigs. And what happened was Mary gave birth to the king of kings in that barn. And yeah, it's cool, huh? Yeah. And see, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Don't you think it's strange that the king above all kings, the king that's supposed to be greater than any previous king, was actually born in a stable? Born in like a little feeding trough that is called a manger where you put all the food for all the animals? He was, he was born in a manger. Don't you think that's strange? But you see, that's why we celebrate. Because Jesus was such a great king. Yeah, they do go in stables. Yeah, horses do go in stables, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but now you see. <laughs> but now you see, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because Jesus, even though he was the king above all kings, he humbled himself and came low and was born in a manger. Because he doesn't he doesn't need our glorification, but He's so, so much bigger than that. And the thing is, He came to save us from our sin, from all the things that weighed us down, so that we can be in relationship with Him one day. So that's the real reason why we celebrate Christmas. Not because of any presents, like this sword, or anything else. We celebrate because of the love that God had for us in sending down His Son, Jesus. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Over to Richard. You can go back to be with your mom and your dad. Hopefully they'll keep you quiet for the next 50 years. Most enthusiastic children, Kevin and Kim's too. Guess where they get that from? <laughs> this is one of the services that I put my head down, I focus on my notes and I preach as hard as possible because there's lots of other interaction going on. Reminded of a story of a mom who went to the shops with her two children and she was at the shops and everywhere they went the kids stopped and said mama 
can we have this for Christmas? And she was totally exasperated, going through the lists of all the things that she has to do for the parties that she'll have to attend and to, uh, and, and to do. Uh, and then eventually she was absolutely exhausted and she took the kids with all her packets and she went to the lift and she stood at the lift and the lift doors opened and the lift was almost full and she thought, oh, I'm going to just squeeze myself in here. She grabbed the two kids with all their packets and she got into the lift and the lift closed and she was absolutely exhausted and she heaved with a sigh of relief and she said to, uh, in the quietness of the lift, she said, whoever thought of this Christmas thing should be found and shot. And at the back of the lift, a very calm, quiet voice said, don't worry, we've already crucified him. <laughs> this is a crazy season, guys. And we misconstrue and misunderstand the whole meaning of Christmas. Yesterday, our girls, my girls, went off shopping. Medva and our youngest, Michaela, went off to the shops. And they went in her car. She came back from the shops and Medva came in. She said, Snooky, there's something wrong with my car. It's, it's, it's cutting out. So I said, don't worry. Just take my car. You're going to go to Somerset West. So they've just been to Stellenbosch. Crazy. Now they're going to go to Somerset West. More crazy. So they go to Somerset West. I get a phone call. We've just been to the shops. We, the, your car now is starting to splutter. And I think, what is going on? I said, just... For the rest of the day, do not drive our girls' cars because they will break too. You are bad news. I'm <laughs> just kidding, eh? So <laughs> two in one day. So I had to go and fetch them. We had to get a tow service to take the car to the mechanic uh, you know, in the heat of yesterday. So it's just crazy. Craziness. And it's always been crazy like that. And so often we miss the real meaning of Christmas. So busy with its publicity, advertising, and promotion that we miss the real meaning of Christmas. It is obscured. But those of us who love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ will have time to focus on his incredible event, this incredible event of the birth of Jesus. Don't get caught up today in all the activity. Just remember, just spend time with him. Let me give you a little bit of history of the of, of Christmas. Scholars have uh, put out a, a doubt about the 25th of December as the true date of the birth of Jesus Christ. There's no biblical support that it was on this particular day. It was decided uh, by the church in Rome in the 4th century, and they had a specific reason for doing this. Uh, many of the earliest inhabitants were sun worshippers, and, uh, you know, in the northern hemisphere, that was solstice, the winter solstice. It was the shortest day uh, of the year, around about that time. Uh, and they wanted to try and connect up and to try and overtake that festival of sun worship amongst the pagans uh, and to emphasize the Christian uh, religion. And so there was this un <laughs> crazy marriage between... Christianity and paganism. So when they had festivals during this time, uh, the sun worshippers used to light massive bonfires to try and give strength to the sun. And then as the unfolding days took place and the days got longer and longer, there was great rejoicing. 
But there was this incredible uh, marriage that, that took place, this unlikely marriage between these two. Some of the other examples that took place was that the Romans in the month of December uh, had marked a festival of Saturnalia, and that's when they exchanged lots of gifts, and I suppose that's where this whole thing of gift-giving came. Um, also, the decoration of uh, getting evergreen uh, branches and bows uh, and placing them on their doors. Uh, the Druids in England uh, got um, that mistletoe and put it on their doors, and these ceremonies have, have continued down through the years. The Christmas tree was replaced during the 8th century uh, by um, Boniface, who was an English missionary to Germany, and he replaced uh, the god Odin's uh, sacred oak with the uh, fir tree. And so, you know, this is, this is let me just explain that we, we, we've missed the real essence of Christmas. All of these things, Santa Claus, uh, Saint Nicholas, um, Saint Nicholas, uh, Santa Claus, Saint Nicholas was a, was a, was a wonderful uh, saint, bishop of Asia Minor in the 4th century, and he was known for his generosity. And the, the country of Netherlands adopted Saint Nicholas as their patron saint to the children. And that's why one particular day, the children uh, in the Netherlands put out shoes and they put out hay in their shoes so that the Saint Nicholas's white stallion can eat the, the hay. I mean, just we, we, we've got things all messed up. And the essence of the coming of Jesus is just so simple and so clear, and it's been drowned out by all of these traditions. Christ was born in Bethlehem. Not Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. <laughs> and, and the people of that day missed that reality. And we're missing that reality even today. Huh? Let's, let's look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I mean, we just see the, the marvel of Mary. I mean, they had arrived uh, and they had gone to the inn and there was just no place. This was a time of a consensus that was taking place and people from all over that area came to the city of David and they were sitting, uh, gathering together in, this, in the city uh, and there was just no place. There was no place. So we don't know where uh, Jesus was born. Some say that he was born in a barn because obviously uh, he was laid in a manger. This was a feeding trough for the animals. Uh, some say, some theologians say that he was born in a cave. Others was in the courtyard of the inn. But regardless, regardless, there was just no room in the inn. And, G and Mary gave birth to Jesus, his, her firstborn. Wrapped him in clothes. This was the normal thing. But here she was in the Middle East. There was not a, it's not a, wasn't a place. It was a place of great hospitality, of great caring, 
but here she was alone giving birth. I don't think that Joseph was a particular help, but here she was. She gave birth. She got up. She cleaned Jesus. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths. That was the normal custom. And placed him in a manger. We see the glory of Mary here. But one thing we do know is that the innkeeper looked at Mary and Joseph, about to give birth, Mary, about to give birth to a baby, and there was no room. We don't see hostility coming out of him. We don't see him being unsympathetic. He was just busy. He was preoccupied with life. And so often, we are just so preoccupied with the things of our lives that we don't have time and give attention to the whole aspect of Jesus. We're just like that innkeeper. The, the chambers of our souls, the chambers of our lives are just filled with needless things, stuff that doesn't matter, and we miss the whole aspect of Jesus coming. Our lives are filled with the unnecessary, with the insignificant, and with the meaningless. And we spend our lives accumulating stuff that one day our children are going to fight over when we're dead and gone. People miss Jesus Christ because we're just so crowded out with stuff. The world is telling us what we should do, what we should think, what we should buy. The innkeeper didn't know what was about to take place in the form of Mary. The impact that this incredible event was going to happen in, 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 in his presence, really. He didn't know that because he was just too busy with stuff. And we like that. And one day we're going to wake up and we're going to find ourselves in eternity. With God or without God. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 103. And I read this at all the funerals. We're like a flower of the field. We flourish. We look beautiful. With all the other flowers in the world. We flourish for a while. And then what happens? The wind blows over it. And it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. That's life. You're going to flourish. You're going to have a big house. Some of you will drive fancy cars. You'll flourish and you'll make an impact, and you'll have influence, and you'll flourish. And then there'll come a time, and the wind will blow over it, and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the wonderful thing about that song is the very next verse. It says, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. The Lord's love, from everlasting to everlasting. One day we're going to find ourselves stepping into eternity. And what? Have we been so busy and so preoccupied with our present life that we haven't had time? You know, you've heard me say this, but because we've got a lot of visitors, you wouldn't have heard this. There is a parable that Jesus told. It's the only parable where Jesus said these words. And he told of a man who was a wealthy farmer, he looked out at his crops. He was doing really, really well. 
the weather was good to him and the crops were bursting and he said, the harvest is going to be great. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to accumulate more wealth. And he filled those barns. And as he says that, the Lord came to the farmer and said these words, your soul is required of you this night. And this is the only time in the New Testament that these words are used. You fool. You fool. <laughs> what is that? I mean, isn't that what we all do with life? We're so busy, we're accumulating, we're filling our lives with stuff. And God comes and says, you fool. Why? Because he did not take any time to think about his spiritual life, to think about eternity. That's why God called him. Because we all do that. We all have got investments. We have to plan for retirement. But take time to think about eternity. The other one was just the indifference of the scribes and the Pharisees. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people. This is Herod. Herod has now heard from the wise men that there comes a king and he's going to be the king of the Jews. Now Herod is freaked out about this one. So he calls all the chief priests and the scribes. The chief priests consisted of the Sadducees, that was the high priest, uh, the captain of the temple uh, police, and other very important priests that were involved with the teaching. Uh, and the scribes, those were the Pharisees, they dealt with the, um, the culture, the biblical interpretation to the people of that day. And he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, prophet Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd, who will shepherd my people Israel. It's a very interesting thing. Listen, there is only nine kilometers to travel. From the time that from, from, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, nine they got together in Jerusalem, and Herod had met with these chief priests, and they, they all knew. You know, there's some activity going on, but instead of them taking that short trip and going down to Bethlehem to check it out themselves, they said, "No, it's just in Bethlehem. We're good. We're okay. We got religion. We're fine." But Jesus pointed out this indifference in Matthew chapter 9. And he says in, in verse 10, Jesus was reclined at table in the house, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, this is, this is what Jesus did. He met with tax collectors and sinners. Those were the guys that he needed to minister to. Those were the guys that he wanted to be with. Those were the guys that needed a savior. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, these guys thought they had it all together. They were just filled with pride. And so often we miss Christmas because they don't realize that they're sinners. They ignore the Christ. We show no interest. They showed no interest. And some of us sometimes do because we think we've got it together. But we don't understand that one of the greatest needs is to be saved. One of the greatest needs is for us to recognize that we're sinners and we need a Savior. Here's just another thought. Just nine kilometers. Just nine kilometers away. And they missed it. Why did they miss it? Because of their religion. You see, sometimes religion will damn your soul faster than anything else if anything is less than true worship of the true God. The most dangerous place is for people to come to church, to be with other Christians, to think that they've got it together in terms of their relationship with God, but when they do not have a relationship with God. That is the most dangerous place in the world. To think that we've got it together because we're doing some religious things. Don't do that. There was a new pastor that arrived at a church and he was going around visiting people, visiting his members. And the husband came back and the wife said, our pastor came past today. And he just asked one question. He asked, does Christ live here? And the husband said, what did you say to him? Didn't you say that we go to church, we read our Bibles, we say our prayers? The wife said, you didn't ask that question. You asked, does Christ live here? And he became a little bit more indignant and he said, but he should have known. We are respectable people. But she said, didn't ask whether we were respectable people. He just asked, does Christ live here? And that question began to haunt them until finally they began to realize that they needed to get onto their knees and really ask the Lord to live in their life. So as we finish off, I want to ask this Christmas, does Christ live in your life? Not only in your heart, but in everything that you do. Is he king? Is he lord of your thinking, of your doing, of your speaking? Does Christ live in your life? There were two events that took place in the life of Jesus. One was when a rich, young ruler came to Jesus. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you need to sell all that you have and come and follow me. This was a guy that had everything going for him. He had youth, he had wealth, he had culture, he had moral awareness, eagerness, and he was religious. But he could not follow Jesus. And he turned and walked away from Jesus. There was another guy who was sitting at a tax collector's table. Tax collectors were despised in those days. His name was Matthew. And Jesus walked up to him and said to Matthew, Matthew, come, follow me. And he left 
that table and follow Jesus. What's going to be your response this morning? What's going to be your response? Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Helman Holt painted this painting. I wonder if you could just put that up. It's Jesus, it's the light of the world standing. It's a well-known painting. There he's the king of kings, standing with a lamp in his hand. He's the light of the world, and he's knocking on a door. The door doesn't have a handle outside. It only has a handle on the inside. It's only us that have to open that door. He can't force his way, and he never will do that. From underneath that door comes thistles, weeds. It shows the shambles that our lives are in. But Jesus stands, and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, your choice, and opens the door, I will come in. Be with him, sup with him, fellowship with him, and he with me. Does Christ live in your heart?